This episode of Voices of the Elephant is brought to you by SiteGround. Welcome to the Voices of the Elephant podcast. Each episode of Voices of the Elephant brings you an interview with a member of the PHP community. From project leaders to user group organizers, we talk to the people that are helping make the PHP community special. Hi and welcome to another episode of Voices of the Elephant. My name is Cal Evans and I'm your host and my special guest today is Mr. Colin O'Dell. Say hi to everybody, Colin. Hi everyone. Now, we're talking about, this is the run-up to ZenCon, so we're talking to speakers who are going to be at ZenCon. And Colin, you've got two talks that you're going to be doing at ZenCon. Let's talk about the CommonMark uh, talk that you're going to give, give. Give us a little background about what CommonMark is and what the package that you're talking about um, gives developers. Sure. So CommonMark is a markdown specification. Um, so most of us developers are familiar with using Markdown in our day-to-day -day jobs, whether that's posting things on Stack Overflow or GitHub or Reddit. All of those platforms use CommonMark um, to make it easy to format your messages. So you can make things bold, add links, uh, create lists, things like that. The issue with Markdown is that it's really easy to figure out how to do simple things like make a word bold, but what happens when you have things um, that are kind of ambiguous. Um, so the bold syntax uses asterisks, um, and then you also have, you know, underlines um, you can do with an underscore. What happens if you have an asterisk, underscore, asterisk, underscore, some letters, and then a few more asterisks and underscores? How are you supposed to parse that? Um, there's no really good examples on how to do that. And so what the common mark specification does is give sp really specific rules on how common mark should be parsed. That way there's no ambigu ambigu uh, ambiguity, there's the word, um, <laughs> when you're parsing that. Um, if you have a parser in PHP that conforms to the spec and a parser in, say, Python that conforms to the spec, both of those parsers are going to give you the same output given the same input, so your markdown becomes more portable. So what I've done is I've created um, a PHP implementation of this common mark spec. I've called that... Um, league slash common mark, so that's the name of it in Packagist if you want to go check that out. Um, and again, it's just um, a common mark um, implementation of a markdown parser. Um, but what's really cool about this particular package is not only does it implement this spec, but I built the package to be really um, reusable and extendable. So if you want to do things like add in your own custom syntax or your own way of rendering output, you can easily do that, which is pretty cool. Very cool. Now, this uh, package is available uh, to everybody. What version are you currently on on this package? We are currently on an O dot version. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know exactly what version that is. I'm looking it up here. Um, it's O dot 15.6. Um, it is an O dot version, so technically we don't have a stable release. The only reason we don't have a stable release is because the common mark spec doesn't have a stable release. Um, that's still undergoing development. So as they introduce new changes to the wording, we sometimes have to change how we're doing things under the hood. Ah, okay. Even though so that is the case, I will say the package is stable in that it works without errors, and we do have an interface um, that we promise to never break backwards compatibility with. Okay, so this isn't like uh, the old Gmail always in beta thing. The, the common marked language specification just hasn't finalized yet. Do they have any kind of time frame for that? 
They don't. Um, I know there are a few items still on the list of things they need to work out. Um, one of the big open-ended questions right now is table support. Right now, the spec does not um, have any information on whether tables should be or should not be included, how to parse them. Um, so they need to decide whether or not they want to support that, and if so, what are the rules surrounding that? Oh, very interesting. So um, if people are installing this via uh, Composer, they have to, um, what, disable stable only? or You should be able to get it um, just doing a Composer require league slash common mark. Um, and then for your constraint, um, you can use um, you know the caret 0.15. Oh, okay. Um, that's perfectly fine if all you're going to be doing is converting um, Markdown to HTML. If you do need to customize things and build your own syntax, you may want to do something like o.15.asterisk. Um, that way, when we make a change, it won't break your custom implementation or custom extensions. Hmm. Very cool. Um, yeah, I've, most of us have worked with Markdown at some point or other. I have it implemented on DevZone, and uh, I think all my my books for the past five years have all been Markdown, or started life as Markdown. Mm -hmm. And it, it just makes things so much easier. And while I've never had to implement code or implement Markdown in code, uh, it, it's nice to know that we do have a good stable package. Now, your part uh, or this package is part of the League of Extraordinary Packages. Um, mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about the League. Uh, what's the why release it as part of the League and not just under your own namespace? Sure. Um, so I did release this under my own namespace to begin with. I think I got like a hundred downloads. Um, mm -hmm. It was really hard to get the exposure for this project. Um, so putting it in the league really helped me to get that exposure for the project and see it get adopted. So that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and one reason that I really wanted to move into the league is because they have a really high standard for what a quality package is and what it should be. Um, so things like making sure um, you can install it with Composer, you're using cons consistent code style, you're using semantic versioning, things like that. Um, just making sure that the package is really top quality was really important to me. So that was another great reason why I chose to move this into the league. Very cool. And, and I know several of the other, I know Ben Ramsey has a package in the, the league. And, you know, they, I, I know I've known Ben for forever and respect the, the quality of work that he does. So obviously they do have pretty high standards for even getting into the league. Mm -hmm. um, hey, let's take a second and talk about our sponsor, which is, of course, SiteGround. See, every website needs hosting, but not all hosts are the same. If you're looking for a solid and secure host for your website, your web application, or your web store, check out SiteGround. They're rock-solid technical people. They're easy to work with when it comes to support. Most importantly, though, they're fun people to be around. Now, if you run into them at a WordCamp or a PHP conference, stop by the booth. You'll find out what I mean. Most importantly, though, when you're ready to select the host for your next web app, check them out. You can find out more information at SiteGround.com, and of course, make sure you tell them that Cal sent you. Now, you've got another talk coming up, uh, Colin, which actually I, I find a little more interesting than uh, Markdown, well, a little more applicable, because uh, I, I can read the, the description of it, and I'm like, this is gonna be cool. You're doing a talk called Rise of the Machines, PHP and IoT. Give us a little taste of what's going to be going on in that. Sure. Um, so we're all familiar with the phrase IoT, Internet of Things, basically having these physical devices that are connected to the Internet and are able to talk to each other and do some really cool things. 
So in this talk, I want to talk about how we can use PHP as kind of that bridge between the physical and the digital world. And I'm going to do that by showing off four um, real-life demos of things I've built using PHP. Um, hmm. So one of the examples um, is an Alexa skill. Um, if you have an Alexa at home, I apologize. I probably just set it off. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the skill I have, um, you can basically ask her for information. And what she'll do um, is she'll take the request, parse it, send it off to your PHP application to be handled. Um, you can do that with a framework um, like Lumen, which is what I did. And so I have this Lumen application out there on the Internet. It's taking in um, the parse words that you said to your Amazon Echo and doing whatever it needs to do with that and sending back a text response for the Echo to read aloud, which is pretty cool. That um, is so very cool. Yeah, um, and you can really you know, extend that to do whatever you want. Um, if you had, say, an e-commerce website, you could set up a skill where customers can order products just by having this voice chat with their device. And all of that is powered with uh, you know, this PHP connection. Now, I've got a little bit of experience, uh, very little, uh, writing Alexa skills using PHP. And I know that the, uh, the way they, the way all the tutorials do it is JavaScript and you make it into, or you, you, you make it into a, a Lambda and put it up on AWS. PHP is mm -hmm. a little more different because you've got to give it a URL to talk to. Um, did you find it difficult to find good working examples and tutorials when um, working on T PHP, or were you able to, to find everything you need and figure it out? So it is a little more difficult if you're doing it from scratch. Um, you have to understand, you know, how is AWS sending you the data um, that Alexa is able to parse out? How do you need to format your response? Um, but what I did, I guess I cheated a little bit, and I found a nice third-party package, which did most of that for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Developer. D-E-V-E, I'm sorry, D-E-V-E-L-P-R slash Alexa dash app. Um, oh. And it's basically just um, a Lumen package that handles all of that parsing for you. Um, so you just set up, um, you know, what looks like a basic Lumen route. So you say, you know, when Alexa receives this request, send this response. And it takes mm -hmm. care of all that um, parsing and responding behind the scenes for you. So that made it really easy to get this example up and running. That does sound uh, very easy. I found another package. I wasn't using Lumen, but I did find a package that would uh, take the Alexa response and parse it for you and give you all give you an object to work with. And that made it a whole. Once I found that, it made it a whole lot easier. I'll throw a link to both of those packages in the show notes uh, for this meeting, so people can look it out, look it up. Once I got that doing working, um, you know. Alexa works fine with an API call instead of a, an AWS Lambda. And, uh, you know, I was able, I wrote a skill that I never finished it. It was one of those, I just want to see if I could do it. But it was for this podcast. It was a, um, you know, a podcast player. And you could say, play latest episode, play previous episode. You could give it an episode number. And, you know, you could walk back and forth in the, um, in the chain. And it was, it was very interesting. It was one of those things I think everybody ought to try it at least once just to, to see what's possible with that. Definitely. It's a lot of fun. Well, Colin, uh, last question I've got for you. Oh, wait, no. There's one other thing. I did not prepare you for this at all. Um, you do some very interesting stuff with um, Open Z-Wave. Matter of fact, I just brought up your web page, Compiling Open Z-Wave for Home Assistant. Mm -hmm. um, because I've got it bookmarked because it's something very interesting to me. I actually bought a 
uh, another Raspberry Pi, part of my entire fleet of Raspberry Pis that makes my wife's eye roll, eyes roll every time she sees it. <laughs> but um, I've actually got one that I, I'm working with, or I'm trying to load this on. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what you're doing with um, Home Assistant and Z-Wave, and I mean, give, give us an example of some something cool that you've automated using this. Sure. Um, so I actually just bought my first house about a year ago, and since I moved in, I've been installing smart switches and door sensors and motion sensors all over the place. And I have them all connected um, into a central hub using an open source project called Home Assistant. Home Assistant is pretty cool because it lets you use different kinds of technologies. So I can have things that run on Wi-Fi, things that run on Z-Wave, and they're all talking to this one central hub. And then I can use that to automate um, different actions, even you know across these different ways of communicating. Um, for example, I have a ring doorbell on the front of my house, and if it detects motion, um, that motion event gets sent to Home Assistant. Home Assistant will turn on my Z-Wave lights in the front yard. Um, so lights turn on whenever there's motion. Um, Very just cool. A lot of fun stuff like that. Um, you know, just it's really simple things, um, but it's a lot of fun, and I just enjoy playing with it. Now, let me make sure I understand this correctly. Um, Home Assistant is running locally on your your land there at the house, so it, the signals are not leaving your network. It's not phoning home somewhere, and uh, like the 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 Amazon Alexa or the the Echo, which is the main reason mine is wrapped in tinfoil and stored in the freezer when I'm not doing development. Um, it, it's staying right on your network, and nothing leaves your network unless you tell it to go somewhere else, correct? For the most part, um, if you are using inter internet-connected device, like the Ring doorbell, um, the motion events that it detects, it's sending to its API, so I'm getting those from its API. Okay. But everything else, um, you know, light switches, motion sensors, all of that, um, especially if it's Z-Wave or local Wi-Fi, that's staying on my network that's not going out to the broader internet. Very cool. That's mainly what I'm looking for. Um, I, I, I'm one of those paranoid people that you, you hear talk about, and I don't want my front door being able to be opened by either a hacker or should the government decide they want access to my house or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to be able to just send a signal and open my door. Right. If you're going to say that's listening to, to us, I, I'm not meaning you, of course. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, well, that is very cool. Hey, uh, last question I'm going to ask you. Um, you're going to ZenCon. You're speaking twice. But other than your own talks, what's, what's the one talk that you're really looking forward to seeing? So I'm really looking forward to seeing this talk by Ann Gaffigan called Tackling the Beast, How to Gradually Ooh. Upgrade a Legacy Codebase to PHP 7. Mm -hmm. Very um, cool. Yeah, right now at work, I've, I've just inherited um, kind of a legacy project. It's built on PHP 5.3 on an outdated framework that is um, also encrypted with IonCube. Um, so it's pretty difficult to build within it. Um, so what we've been trying to do is to put Silex out in front of it. Um, so as we add new features, we can route um, you know those new web pages through Silex and fall hmm. back to the legacy app. So I'm interested in seeing, you know, is this the best approach? What other, what other ideas are out there? What's the best way to go about upgrading this really legacy code base to use, uh -huh. you know, new versions of PHP, new frameworks, new libraries? Very cool. And we will be talking to Anne in an upcoming episode of Voices of the Elephant. Well, Colin, I want to thank you, thank you for being here with us, taking the time to talk to us today. Um, thank you so much for all that you're doing to contribute for to contribute to PHP and to the PHP community, and I look forward to seeing you at ZenCon. Yeah, I can't wait to see you there, Cal.
Well, that wraps up another episode of Voices of the Elephant. Hey, if you've got your computer handy, if you would, pop open iTunes and give us a rating. We'd really appreciate it. You can get the link on the um, website, and we'd appreciate a, a rating and review. And we will see you right here next week on Voices of the Elephant. Thanks for listening to Voices of the Elephant. Voices of the Elephant is copyright EICC Incorporated and released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives Share and Share Alike license. To nominate someone to be a guest on Voices of the Elephant, visit our website and click on the nominate link. The URL is voicesoftheelephant.com. Elephant is of course spelled E-L-E-P-H-P-A-N-T.